there was actually somebody who walked out of our screening 45 minutes in who clearly they were like, this isn't The Shining Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hotel. Did you know there are other worlds in these where they all float or get a bad disease? Let's all go to Castle Rock. We can hitch a ride with Christine. And you will find the dairy connection. And we can party like it's six Welcome back to Dairy Connection. For once, I'm recording an episode less than a year after my previous episode. Um, I think I just put one out a few weeks ago or something. I guess we'll see how long this one takes to edit, but recently, you can answer. Uh, yeah, that was very recent. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a big time operation now. It's true. Uh, and I'm, of course, joined today by my handsome and successful husband who has been on most of my other episodes, but we haven't had a solo episode in a while. That's true. Uh, legendary podcaster. Yeah. Um, of the famous podcast. Formerly of Frank and Eric Internet Famous. Currently Frank and Eric. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Uh, it's going pretty well. Uh, we are five episodes in. Uh, it's a weekly thing. We're just putting it out every Wednesday. Um, Much more consistent than Dairy Connection. Yeah. Um, are you, let me ask you this. So you guys, every episode you review something. Yes. Are you planning on doing any Stephen King content? Because then maybe my listeners would be interested. Uh, yeah, well we might do, I could see us doing it at some point. And the only reason I say that is because you and your friends all just read it. Yeah. So, well, I read it a long time ago. Wasn't I, I was on the episode for the first half of it. Obviously I love, love, love that book, one of my favorite books of all time, maybe. But my friends are not Stephen King fans. They're not haters. They're just kind of like not on board. And um, so one thing that my friends and I like to do is uh, pay each other uh, small amounts of money to do random things. And so I I offered my friends like a, a few bucks to read Stephen King's It. All right. So listen, if you think Eric is funny over the next hour, maybe <laughs> you want to check out Frank and Eric and maybe he'll talk about Stephen King at some point. Yeah. There you go. There's your promotion. Yeah, you should definitely. He does my show for the promotion. Yeah, check. That's how podcasts work, you know. Yeah, Just, cross uh, promo. It's real. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, so uh, I think the real news here, Eric, uh, is you and I bought a pickup truck recently. Yeah. Okay. It's the light of our lives. It's true. And we recently got a license plate for our new truck. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Oh yes, yes, yes. And the uh, my dream came true because the numbers on my license plate add up to nineteen. Yeah. And I, I, well, actually, when we got the license plate, I looked at it and I did the math wrong. So I was like, oh man, we're one away from nineteen. <laughs> and then I, and then Eric was like, what do you mean that does add up to nineteen? Then I got really yeah. excited. And you said, what is nineteen a Stephen King thing or something? It's it's hard for me to keep track. I'm not uh, I'm not a Stephen King super fan like you are. Yeah. I am a big fan, but not, um, you know, I don't possess the encyclopedic knowledge. That yeah. You know. Here's a cool one for you. Yep. So you remember the shining, the movie? Yes. Remember the, the number on the scary room? 237. Yeah. But do you remember what it is in the book? No. 217. Oh, is it? And what does that add up to? 19. See? Anyway, <laughs> I think it's pretty cool that our license plate is the number 19. I think so too. Yeah. I think it's a great Stephen King reference and it will it will serve its purpose until we get a very deliberate Stephen King, you know, license plate frame. DC podcast. <laughs> <laughs> SK lover. Yeah. Until we get the truck wrapped in a uh, like full truck, <laughs> dairyconnection.com. Oh, I love uh, that. Yeah. 
Ooh. And then we could write it off as a business expense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for my, my profitable business, the Dairy yeah. Connection. Um, anyway, so we're here today to talk about the new Stephen King movie, uh, Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. And I think you and I have a pretty special connection to The Shining because sort of early in our relationship, we both bought copies, hardcover copies of The Shining and read it at the same time, remember? Yeah. It's yeah. very romantic. I agree, yeah. Did I, we like talk about it after? I didn't have a podcast then. No, I, 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 I yeah, I'm not sure why we why decided to Why did I read books that? before I had podcasts? What's the point? Uh, I don't know. What do you why, even do when you finish a book? Why did anybody <laughs> do anything before you could podcast about it? I really can't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure why we decided to do that. Well, like we didn't live together at the time. I think it was like a nice, you know, thing to... Is that when we read it? Yeah. You think I, we read it when we lived together? Yeah. That would be crazy. If we were living in the same house and sitting next to each other and reading two copies of the same book. I could see it. No, that's not <laughs> what it was. Um, no, but so he... So Stephen King wrote uh, The Shining, what, in the 70s or something, early yep. 70s, I want to say. Um, and he wrote Dr. Sleep 36 years later. Uh-huh. Imagine writing a sequel for your book that much later after he wrote it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, in, in some had, ways it's crazy. Many, guess how many books he had in between? How many? Guess. 19. 51. <laughs> 51. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. But his his uh, creative output is just mind-boggling. Yeah. It's... Uh, you know who else is incredibly prolific and talented? Me. Guess who else? Oh, I thought you were going to say me. You? No. Mm. Who else is there? I covered Stephen King, <laughs> me, and you. What uh, do you got? Ever heard of Mike Flanagan? Oh yes, the the uh, famous Hollywood director. Yep. Who directed Doctor Sleep and Gerald's Game and Ouija and Oculus and um. Oh God. Oh You're God. only missing oh, like. Oh God. There's one you know, and there's two you might not know. Um. Um. Uh, oh. 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 Uh. 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 Haunting of Hill House. Uh. Oh. Maybe the show. I don't have that on my list, but I think he did that one. Yeah. Okay. And the movie. Um. Oh God. Let me get this. Uh, you want a hint? Yeah. It's. It all takes place in a house. Uh. Someone is missing one of their senses. Oh, Hush. Yeah. Ooh, I loved Hush. How I did I not get Hush right off the bat? And oh my God, Hush one, is so good. I don't think you've seen these. I haven't either, but Absentia um, and Before I Wake. I don't think I've seen either of those. Anyway, I, um, I, so I had it oh, when I- loved I, Hush. I did a Gerald's Game episode and, um, ooh, was it in that one actually? It must've been. In the Gerald's Game episode, we talked about how um, Mike Flanagan- Maybe because he's a Stephen King fan and has been since he was little, yep. but he has a similar Mike Flanagan universe across his movies. Mm, so there's specific things that like carry across all of his movies. Um, and my guest on that episode, the Wolfman, for anyone who remembers that episode, I'm actually going to try and call him in later to get his thoughts on this one because he had yep. very strong opinions about Mike Flanagan when we talked about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we talked about how it's a little weird that Mike Flanagan is building this universe because none of those stories like there there isn't really a consistent like thread between them the idea of connecting for example like oculus with dr sleep doesn't totally make sense but i love the feeling behind it like how I love are they connected or is that um, too early okay for me apparently to ask? there is a do you remember in any of his movies there's like some mirror i don't remember. i haven't seen his non-stephen king movies so i'm, I'm not sorry sure. mr flanagan <laughs> 
there I don't know I, it's from Oculus or Ouija or one of the, one of his horror movies but I guess they're all horror movies but yeah. um there's some like big mirror that he puts in all his movies and okay. it was in Doctor Sleep and I I don't huh. I haven't looked at like what it looks like but it's like the Sam Raimi car yeah but I think like that's you know we'll get into all the connections in this movie um I told you one of the things that I heard before I saw this movie was that it has more Stephen King connections than the Dark Tower did yeah yeah which I think <clears throat> is really um a testament to how Mike Flanagan loves Stephen King but he also gets the whole like why connections matter to people yes. and that fans love looking <clears throat> for those little Thing. So I just, I thought he did such a good job at that. Yeah. I was, uh, talking to our friend Duncan, who was on the, uh, girl who loved Tom Gordon. Stop talking episode. about Duncan. It seems like we only have one friend. Uh, he is my only friend. <laughs> um, he's very precious to me. Uh, after we saw Dr. Sleep, I was just talking to him about how much I love Dr. Sleep. And I was like, there's a, a million and one great things to say about Dr. Sleep, but like, one of the biggest things that I could say about it is that the person who created Mr. Flanagan, I'm talking about you clearly loves the source material and like it, it, it and gets it, gets it. Absolutely. Gets it. And like, just, it, it, it is just like this as someone who loves the movie intensely and loved the book to see them both the like shining. The Shining, yeah. yeah. To see them like celebrated together like that by like someone who gets it, it, it was just, it, it was a wonderful experience. I, I just loved, loved what he was able to pull off, you know? Yeah, I think both of us were pleasantly surprised um, yeah. by how good that movie was. And I, I mean, I had heard good things, but I, I just feel like ever since they announced that movie like a year ago, I've been warning people who are like, oh boy, a Shining sequel, I can't wait. Yeah. Because <laughs> I read the book, Dr. Sleep, and I liked it. Um, I, I maybe didn't love it. It wasn't like my favorite Stephen King book. Sure. Um, but only because I was so surprised by how it, it seemed like a completely standalone story. And so the book to me felt a little bit like it was marketed as a sequel, but wasn't really a sequel. Like it really just on the surface, like just basically the guy had the same name, Danny Torrance, but yeah. it didn't seem super related to it. Um, but I agree. I thought that I thought Mike Flanagan did a perfect job melding the story from Dr. Sleep with like the lore of The Shining. And he definitely brought in elements from both the book and the movie. Um, I know one of the things that you and I were talking about was how um, like all the adjustments that he made to, to make it make sense with how, because the book ended in a really different way than the movie did yeah. for The Shining. I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah. So the big one was obviously in the book. Yeah. In the book, the Overlook got burned down. Right. And in the movie, it didn't. Are we are we um, doing spoilers? Oh, yeah. Do you my, have a spoiler my alert? My podcast is always spoilers. Okay. Um, so, like, obviously, at the end of the movie, the Overlook burns down. Yeah. Which, which was, was like, such a cool homage. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's it's almost like writing a wrong, you know, from... I, I just thought it was great. Oh, um, you mean the Kubrick wrong? Like writing it for Stephen King? Exactly. Yeah. It's, well, That's I, why Stephen King likes this movie so much. Okay, so maybe it's not <laughs> fair to say a wrong because I will not say that Kubrick's The Shining was wrong, but like... It's, but it's not what Stephen King intended, whereas I right. think he felt like Mike Flanagan really carried out his vision. Exactly, exactly. Um, but but really like carried out his vision and like married the two. Like it, it was just, it, oh, it was just so good. I loved it. Yeah, but I thought, so going back to the, like the differences between the book and the movie. Yeah. The, so the burning down at the end was really cool. The other thing that I really loved was how he brought back, what's his name, Dick Halloran, the chef? Yes. As a ghost, because in the, what is it? In the movie, he dies, but in the book, he survives. And so the way that he had him be part of the story 
was yeah. that he was present for Danny as a ghost. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was so cool. Wh- which also Danny becomes, you know, so it's sort of like, yeah. it, it does like, it, it, it does expand the kind of uh, definition of what the shining is or what the yeah. shine is. Right. Like, yeah. I also, I'm trying to remember if Danny dies at the end of the book, Dr. Sleep. I don't think he does, but I can't mm. really remember. Uh, did you know that, uh, wait, what was his name? What's the, the Dick, Dick Halloran. Yeah. You know, he was played by Scatman Crothers in the first movie. Who's that? Um, famous <laughs> musician. And, uh, I thought the guy who played him in Dr. Sleep was like a near clone. What did you think of the part where it was, um, it was supposed to be Jack as the bartender. Yeah. Because I sort of was like, I didn't think that he was super reminiscent. I got what they were trying to do. Yeah. It didn't really come through for me. So I felt like, so the mom, they so they had to refilm scenes. Like yeah. They, Which the, was also cool. They did yeah. a really good job of that. Uh, obviously, they replaced the mom. Mm-hmm. And Shelley they re- Duvall. Yeah. And they replaced uh, Jack Nicholson. And the kid. And the kid. I thought that I, I feel like maybe I'm just like, maybe I love the movie so much that I'm like trying to give uh, um, uh, the filmmaker too, too much credit. Um, but I felt like you, you sort of have to like thread a needle, you know, like if you try too hard to make it like a clone, mm. we're, I mean, we're in the like day you and felt age. Like it did a good job of being reminiscent, but not like it, it wasn't like insultingly trying to be the same replacement. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree with that. It was like you, all this, it's stylistically. But I think here's why that bothered me with the Jack scene where it didn't bother me with the mom or the kid, because in the Jack scene, it was supposed to be this revelation that it's not the bartender, it's his dad. Yeah. So I really felt like there it needed to, like, it, it seemed like somebody doing an impersonation of Jack Nicholson. See, I was going to say the exact opposite. I was going to say, um, you liked the subtlety of it. I mean, it's clear that it's his dad. Ooh, can I give you an interpretation that would make it good for me? Sure. Maybe cause he was five when his dad died. Maybe he doesn't entirely remember what his dad looked like. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, Ooh, I got chills. Yeah. That's I think good. that's, I think that's a good interpretation. Um, but what, what I would also say is like, I think if you were watching that, like the the most tired celebrity impression in the world is a Jack Nicholson impression. You could find someone who does an incredible Jack Nicholson, I'm sure. Yeah. It would seem almost like pandering and weird to have someone like trying to nail like be identical. Jack Nicholson yeah. in that role. You could probably find someone who's like a clone and it would be weird. I'm just saying know? the problem I had was like, it took me a little bit to realize that it was actually his dad because it didn't look enough like him. Okay. Whereas like the mom sounded and looked enough like Shelley Duvall that I immediately was like, I get who that's supposed to be. Mm. I, I, I had a similar reaction to let's move on. We're talking in circles. Okay. All right. I'm just saying that um, I thought the, the woman who played the mom was great, but I had a similar reaction to her. I was like, Oh, I, I, stylistically you, I understand the role that you are playing and I'm on board. I see. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to hear a, another crazy thing that happens in the book that wasn't in the movie? Yes. Okay, so um, remember there was like, there were little uh, allusions to the fact that uh, Abra's grandmother was sick or dead or whatever it was. Hmm. Like she made some comment to her mom that was like, her mom was going to visit her grandmother or something because she was sick. Mm -hmm. There was like a line or two devoted to it. Okay. So in the book, Danny goes and visits, or it's sorry, it's her great-grandmother, Abra's great-grandmother. And reads her mind while he's visiting her and learns that um, 
Jack had an aff- his dad, Dan's dad, Jack Torrance, mm-hmm. yeah, had an affair with his teaching assistant. Okay, and his teaching assistant was Abra's grandmother. Okay, so like the great grandmother's daughter. So Danny and Abra's mother are half siblings. And I think that's like, that's why they have such a strong connection. Okay. But I really liked that he didn't like get super uh, literal with that in the movie. But it's really cute when you think about the fact that Abra called him Uncle Danny oh, or Uncle Dan yeah. or whatever. Right? Because he actually is her uncle. Oh my God. That is the best way to play that right? Isn't that cool? Yeah. Because yeah. that would have been so convoluted to like try to maybe, like hammer that home. Maybe actually, maybe Abra knew that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like that scene where he's like, I can't be seen with a kid. And she's like, it's fine. You're my uncle. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Mike Flanagan. I'm such a Flan fan. Me too. <laughs> love that guy. Wow. Yeah. That's, I love that. That's really good. I feel like that because that's the sort of thing, like, obviously there is a depth to a novel that you just can't, you can't depict every single aspect of a novel. I know. And film. I think that's the mistake people usually make with Stephen King yes. adaptations is they try to do all of it. Yeah. 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 I, wow. That's, that's great. I, I choose to uh, think that that is totally conscious because that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you want to talk about the other, like the connections to the book, the references to the book? There were a couple that you pointed out. Connections to the book? The, like the shining. Uh, you mean like connections between the movie and the first movie? Because the only thing I can remember pointing out. Oh, yeah, out, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's what I mean. Yeah. The only thing I can remember pointing out, which is when I grabbed your notebook in the theater and yeah, wrote yeah, it down, yeah. was that the- I bring a notebook to the <clears throat> movies and I write yeah. down Stephen King connections. Yeah. When I go to the movies with my wife, it's like- uh, it's like <laughs> Only in, Stephen King movies, not every movie. Yeah. It's like in High Fidelity when he's like going through all the the different- women that he's dated and he mentions the movie critic and she's in there like scribbling in her notebook the whole time. Uh-huh. It's like that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, connections to the shining movie. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant connections to the movie high fidelity starring John <laughs> Cusack and Jack Black. No, again, as I need to remind all of my guests, this is a Stephen King podcast. Right. Um, That's what we're here for. Do I get to be critical at any point or was this just... Yeah, you you can okay. have your own opinions. It's just you yeah. have to talk about Stephen King. Okay. Um, what was the scene that you noticed? The scene that I noticed, uh, like, it, it is so aesthetically... I mean, obviously, the bar scene in the Overlook is, like, beautifully recreated. Yeah. Um, but the, the scene where I was like, holy shit, like, this looks like they're filming it, like, on Kubrick's set, was the... Um, office the interview Mm -hmm. the office interview where danny is talking to the guy about the hospice job yeah yeah um it's exactly the same as jack torrance talking interviewing for the job at the overlook yeah like uh so cool so cool um i gotta find a picture of those two yeah it's so good and and that apparently um if you've watched the movie uh room 237 which if you haven't you absolutely it's should so good so good um but it goes it that is one of the scenes that they call out where uh you know kubrick like there are so many things actually it would be really interesting to watch room 237 again because Ooh, there's we a should. There's a dissection of that whole scene where they're like, Kubrick put this in the scene, put that. Like, there's Mm. all these individual little things that, like, indicate what's going to happen later. I wonder if... uh, Oh, my God. If they replaced them with things that were going to happen in this one. Yeah. Or or even references to the previous Should we go see Doctor Sleep again? I would go see it again. Yeah, right? 
I mean, I have the Alamo subscription plan, okay, so yeah, yeah. I can pretty much just live there <laughs> seeing, I can see, I can see that movie every day of the week. Okay. You go and report back. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, when I, when that scene, the, even, um, without any of the specifics, just the color palette of the screen, as soon as that scene came on, I was like, oh my God, I am literally watching yeah. that, the interview sequence from The Shining. Yeah. That Loved was really it. cool. So cool. Here's one that I bet you didn't catch. Wow. I didn't either. I looked it up. Okay. Um, okay. Do you remember towards the beginning of the movie? So remember the kid that gets killed by the true knot, the baseball player, the little baseball player, the baseball boy? Yes, 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 okay. yes. Yeah. So he's number 19, by the way. Yeah, I noticed that. that. I did notice there that. There you go. Okay. Yep. Check me out. You notice that despite not knowing what 19 is? I know that 19 is a thing. I just don't okay. know what it means. Okay. So, yeah, I noticed. Um, so when during his baseball game, uh-huh. there's a guy in the stands rooting for him. Uh-huh. That is the guy who played Danny Torrance in The Shining. No way. Yes. How cute is that? That is so cool. I know. Oh, man. Flanagan. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, ooh, here's another good one. Okay, so... Um, the on the big staircase leading up to the scary the room two thirty seven yeah there's a pool of blood where a uh, member in The Shining when Wendy hits Jack with a baseball bat yeah. in his head and he bleeds and they left the spot of blood on the or I guess they recreated it but it's oh, in really? the same spot oh shit I know I kind of feel like we should watch it again I know you watch it again and just take okay. pictures of the screen from here something I might watch The Shining and go watch it watch The Shining yeah. watch Room two thirty seven yes. and then go see it. I might do that. I got that kind of time. <laughs> you hear me, Flanagan? I'm coming for you. <laughs> okay, and the last one is um, uh, the. So you mentioned like the bar scene. Apparently, they play the same song when Dan first walks into that room that they play at the end of The Shining. It's the same like old timey song. Oh, I did know that because that? I was uh, I was just doing like um, audio research for. The, uh, I, I was just reading up on like what's it's going called on. midnight the stars and you okay like that yeah um okay can i say one thing that i didn't enjoy what am i allowed to be critical yeah okay so of mike flanagan or stephen king i mean this i i guess i'm gonna be critical of mike flanagan please don't listen i'm a total flan fan i'm a flan head but i guess the thing that i didn't enjoy about the movie the thing that pulled me out of it a little bit was how um, I'm sure that there is an explanation for this. And it's like, you know, it, it's probably like adheres to a character description in the novel. But so the the bad guys, oh, the, gr- yeah. the group of bad guys. Are you going to say the the shootout? No. Oh, because I thought that was kind of lame. <clears throat> well, that's on you. But yeah, the shootout. Like, like why are you fighting vampires with guns? It did seem to make them remarkably easy to kill, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you just need to shoot these people? Yeah, and they've been alive for thousands of years. Yeah. A little like, anticlimactic. Yeah, do you know, I agree. Ooh, do you know how they die in the book? No. Um, they contract a disease. I can't remember what it is from the baseball boy. Oh, I forget what it is. Um, and that's why, that's why the old man dies oh. and that's why they have to like go get Abra cause they need a big, like a big fish. To I, I could see how that would be very difficult to depict in the movie and it would like just get you lost in the weeds in the way that, uh, the dark tower movie got very lost. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I could see why a, a shootout is better on film. Totally, yeah, yeah. I, th- but, I thought it worked in the movie. But I was like, damn, all you got to do is shoot these people? <laughs> like, we do that all day in America. We yeah. just fucking wipe these people Well, I think it was out. that combined with, like, Abra's, you know, mind powers. Right, right. Uh, so, um, this is just like a... Just say it. Um, I'm trying to keep this podcast short. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I thought we had some time. Uh, no, I just felt like um, the, the bad guys were, like, kind of cheesy, and I thought that the bad guy leader, what's her name? Oh. Does um, she have a name? I don't know. Uh, Rose the Hat. Rose the Hat. She looked, her, her just like her, her like sort of um, middle-aged hippie look. Do you know who she looked like? She looked Edie like. Edie Raquel of the New Bohemians? No, she looked like my, <laughs> my like 26-year-old boss when I worked at Urban Outfitters. Oh. Who oh. was very cool. Sorry, I think she was like 30 maybe, but younger than I am now. I'm willing to bet that your 30-year-old boss from uh, Urban Outfitters looked a lot like Edie Brickell from the New Bohemians. Yeah. Um, Super cute. Cute. Just like a, a, a bohemian. One of those like cool girls that all girls want to be. Uh, I don't, it just didn't like, I don't know. It just didn't feel like reality to me. It felt a little like, it just felt like almost too styled. You know, like it was just like, really, you're wearing that hat. I'm sure the hat is a very important thing. I get that. But it's like, it's like, are you a roadie for Blues Traveler? What is your look? What is going on here? Well, I have to say, as someone who worked for an identical woman at Urban Outfitters, <laughs> right. um, Jody was the coolest woman that I'd ever met. And everyone was really scared of her. And she dressed really cool. Right. And that didn't stop her from being intimidating or high powered. Okay. Also, I have another question. Slash. Potential criticism. <laughs> I'm not backing off how I thought that look was lame. I'm sorry. That's fine. I'm just saying it. I'm just going to put this out there, though. That actress. Crazy hot. Super hot. Oh, my God. Yeah. So hot. Yeah. Uh, she was in, like, a Mission Impossible movie, I think. Um, anyway. Um, so, at the beginning of the movie, when she meets the little girl, and she's like, hey, you're a special one, whatever. And yeah. then, like, the people start emerging from the trees. She has a very thick accent. She has a very thick Irish accent. Is it Irish? Oh, I kind of remember that. Like very thick. And then she didn't. No accent. Well, hold on. No, just a trace of an accent for the rest of the movie. And I was and I was thinking, am I supposed to understand this to mean that like time has passed and she has lost mm, her accent? I love that. If so. But I suspect but, that's not what happened. But it didn't seem like it was like hundreds of years ago. Right. Because isn't there? It would take a while to lose the accent, right? Yeah. What was the girl doing with her mom before she... Weren't they like... Camping or something? Cam- yeah, they were like camping. It just didn't look like she was dressed old-timey. Uh, didn't it seem like... Eric, you got to go see the movie again. I thought she was camping like a long time ago. Like like not a long time ago, but like decades ago. I don't think someone can lose their accent in a few decades. Ah. I think you can lose your accent in As an adult? 20 to 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to. I don't know. I think that's a good open question for Mike Flanagan. Um, but yeah. Mike, if you're listening, please send me a voice message and let me know if that was intentional or not. Yeah, that, um, I mean, you're not going to lose that accent in like one or two tours with Blues Traveler. But, you know, if if you if you move to the United States to go on tour with Blues Traveler and then like settle here permanently and live here for 20 or 30 years, then like you might lose your accent. All I'm saying is that look, it's a, like a leather hat. Come on. What are you doing? You're not with me on this? No. I liked her. 
I liked her too. She was a fox. I loved her in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. I think that's the one she was in. All I'm saying is. What would you like her to have dressed in? I don't know. It just felt like everybody else in the movie just seemed so like current and normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then. But that's like you never have a super villain that dresses like a normal person. Like think about Cruella DeVille. That was ridiculous. <laughs> right. I understand that she has to have like visual signifiers. I just felt like it just felt a little, I don't know. It just felt a little like out of place or something. Maybe I'm reaching because the movie was really good and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm obsessing over minutia. Let's move on to the next thing. Okay. The next <laughs> thing is um, I heard two competing stories about why Stephen King wrote this book, like where his inspiration okay, came from. Okay. I, I know I've heard one of these. Okay, one is apparently Stephen King used to talk all the time about um, what would happen if Danny Torrance and Carrie got married. Huh. And so one interpretation is that Abra is like the young version of Carrie because she's telekinetic. Yeah. Mm. She's a teenager. That's about it. Well, she can't like move stuff. Like she can only... I think she did. No. Um, she can only... Um... Tele... She can like uh, telemarketing. Yes, she's an incredible telemarketer. <laughs> I I bought nine hundred sets of Cutco <laughs> knives from her. <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with these knives. Uh, no, she uh, she has the ability to like uh, project, right? Whatever you know. But she was able to write on his wall. Yeah. So that's telekinetic. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, that's one theory I heard. Okay. Um, I don't buy that. No. And then the other one I heard is, um, I, I mean, I do believe that he talked all the time about what would happen oh, if they got sure. married, Why but I don't think you? that Abra is like a version of Carrie. Um, and then uh, the other one is that Stephen King read a story about a therapy cat who could predict the death of terminally ill people. Uh-huh. And he said, um, I thought to myself, I want to write a story about that. And then I made the connection with Danny Torrance as an adult working in a hospice. I thought, that's it. I'm going to write this book. The cat had to be there. It always takes two things for me to get going. It's like the cat was the transmission and Danny was the motor. Okay. Is that an actual quote from him? Yes. Well, do you why, think I just... Why would you not believe that? <laughs> no, I do. I'm just saying I. that seems at odds with the idea that he always wanted to write a story about Danny Torrance and Carrie getting married because right. he didn't mention that here. He probably, probably didn't. <laughs> I mean, the dude has written 51 books. In, well, no, that was it was 51 between those two books. Right, between those two he's books. Do you think like he's just had this burning desire to write that Danny Torrance story and like... The now, fanfic? Now was the time to pull the trigger. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I buy that. I buy that explanation. Eric, if you could write fan fiction... Yeah. Sorry, slash fic. Slash fic. About two Stephen King characters. Do you know the origin of the term slash fic? Reddit? <laughs> Are you serious? What? It's your mom. My mom did not come up with the term slash. She did. In her, in her, uh, it's, it's on Wikipedia. No, it is not. It is. <laughs> Maya's Hold on, mom, I'm Googling it. Maya's mom had a Star Trek. She did not invent the term. Yeah. The slash, the term slash is, is from your mom's Oh Eve. my God. It is. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's going to be so mad when she listens to this. <laughs> It is commonly believed that current slash fan fiction originated within the Star Trek, the original series fan fiction fandom with Kirk slash Spock stories generally authored by female fans of the series. It's from your mom's. Okay. No, Maybe no, no. Maybe she was one of the, it doesn't say her name. 
But she did have a Star Trek zine, maybe the first one. If you dive through, uh, it, it leads to your mom's zine. No, it does not. It absolutely does. I've done it. Well, all right. We'll have to look this up after the... You're saying my mom's name is on... Yes, because the name of her zine is in there and it has her and her partner as the authors. Oh, my God. All right. I'm just going to write a note so we remember to look this up. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs> but do people say slash fic? Yeah. But she didn't come up with a term. Yes. My mom invented the word slash fic. Uh, it was, it's like, well, like slash fiction or slash or something. Like the origin of the term is your mom's zine that she did with her friend. This is making me wonder, you know how my mom always says that she was responsible for the blue M&M? Is that true? I don't believe that to be true, but I guess we got to look on Wikipedia. Got <laughs> <laughs> see what else is linked to her name. Jeez. Okay. Wow. Well, I'm the family historian. That's good that I'm holding on to that information <laughs> yeah. because you don't know. Well, anything. now it's in this podcast, so. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Wow. That was <laughs> a shocking twist. <laughs> I have a really bad memory. I'm <clears throat> sure I knew this at some yeah. point. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. Okay. Ooh, one other question. Do you think that Kubrick, is he alive? No. <gasps> did you not know that Stanley Kubrick is not alive? When did he die? Because like, I was like, maybe he's in the his... late 80s, early 90s. No. Yeah. Do you think he would have liked this movie? No. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. I'm going to say probably not. Yeah, probably not. He's seen persnickety. I, I really, I literally had a bullet here that was like, did Stanley Kubrick like this movie? I didn't know. <laughs> Eric just spit his beer out onto his microphone. I, didn't, I don't know. I almost did a spit take. Look, okay. I don't do a lot of research for this podcast. You didn't it's know that your just by you didn't know that your mom invented like an incredibly important cultural term, and you didn't know that Stanley Kubrick is dead. Do I keep track of every celebrity death? <laughs> what do you want? I can't Google everything related to this podcast. <laughs> okay, okay, that's all right. That's all right. I love it. You're in the moment. Look. I have the enthusiasm. You have the knowledge of the world. I have combined, uh, you know, we can cursory make a knowledge of what's going on in the world. Together well, we... Eh, you have pretty deep knowledge about some things. I know Stanley Kubrick is not alive. <sighs> anyway, That's not deep on, knowledge. On the topic of Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um, so Stephen King made a Shining TV miniseries in the late 90s. Yes. Have you seen it? No. Apparently it ends... So I, I found this quote that says It's like four episodes, right? I don't know. I found that... I haven't seen it. I, it was I, on ABC. I don't know. I watched a See? shot... See? It seems like you know a lot about <laughs> random things. I did watch a side-by-side um, -side opening sequence comparison of the original Shining movie and the miniseries. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say that I found a quote that said, How was it, the miniseries? Well, it ended with the proud ghost of Jack Torrance attending his son's high school graduation. So there's that. <laughs> Who said that? Um, this is from, um, I think this is the uh, the Grady Hendrix thing that I always look at. He has this like rereading Stephen King. Oh, okay. It, that wasn't like um, Stephen King saying that. No, 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 no. Okay. Why would Stephen King say that about his own movie? He didn't make the movie. Somebody else made the movie. Yeah, right? but this quote was about the fact that that movie was not good. Right. And it was like, what, what, like maybe somebody was like, Hey, what did you think of the miniseries about your book? You know, I could see him being like, well, um, the ending was slightly different than I, <laughs> I sorry. Planned. No, it was a third party. <laughs> okay. But I do just want to give this, um, what's the word when you give it credit Prop, props? No, like I want to give credit to that quote credit site. Sure. 
Um, it is Grady Hendrix, who also writes really good horror novels. Um, also, I was on a podcast with Grady one time, and he's really smart and funny and knows a lot about Stephen King. And what did I really he write that I loved? I don't remember which one you read. He wrote um, Horror Store. Oh, he, no, I read the... Um, oh, My Best Friend's Exorcism. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. It was so fun. Read that book. Anyway, he and I were on a podcast together one time, yeah. and he is super knowledgeable about Stephen King. He's less of like a super fan than I am, but way more like a scholar. Um, and my dream it's someday... Like me. No. <laughs> my dream someday is to have him on the Dairy Connection, but I'm too scared to ask him to be on. Why? Just ask him. Uh, he's just Have so him cool. in the studio. And he, so he. I, you on that chair, me on this chair, him on the chaise. <laughs> he, I always look up his stuff before <laughs> I read the, the, before I record the podcast. So he has this series on tor.com, T-O-R, and it's um, the great Stephen King reread. And he has read every single Stephen King book and he writes a really funny, interesting take on it. Mm. And I love it because it's such a different take than, because I'm like, I'm kind of just like nerdily tracking connections, yep. but he is literally a scholar and ties all these things together and has all of these really um interesting uh like historical takes on Stephen King that I don't know about. That's great. Grady if you're listening. The shades my podcast. The shades is all yours. <laughs> <laughs> you can stretch out all you like. I make my own beef jerky. You'll have snacks. What? I'm just trying I'm I'm trying to think of the amenities we have. <laughs> we have a cute dog. Cute dog. Homemade beef jerky. <laughs> boxed wine. What more do you need? That's I'm, good, right? I'm going to use that as a commercial for the Dairy Connection. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So listen, so I want to talk about connections, but I think before we do that, yeah. let's see if we can reach the, the wolf man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Get his take on the movie. All right. We're going to have to do we'll some high, high tech things here. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, do it. Okay. Uh, BRB. Hello, Wolfman. Dad, this is he. Hi. What up? Um, you're uh, we're recording and we're on with my husband Eric. I don't think you guys have met yet. Hello, Wolfman. Hello, Eric. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Um, so Wolfman's name is also Patrick, and uh, Patrick, we were just talking about Doctor Sleep, which I believe you saw recently. Oh, I certainly did. I saw it. Opening night, no less. That's, that's wow. how excited I was. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel I, I feel confused about whether you liked it or not because I, I feel like I've seen conflicting reviews from you on different social media platforms. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, I think, you know, we all get online. We have a little bit of fun. We see what other people are saying. Uh, <laughs> you can, and and I, I witnessed quite a few... Uh, uh, glowing reactions to the film, mm -hmm. which I was taken aback by. Really? Um, Why did you not have a glowing reaction? Well, here's the thing. You and I have talked before on the Dairy Connection, no less, uh -huh. about, <laughs> Ger about Gerald's game. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I am not hitched to the Mike Flanagan wagon. Uh, I, I think he's pretty talented and so you know you of all people i was like oh you know what maya's gonna be on board with this she's <laughs> gonna understand where i'm coming from i was i was quite shocked to see how much you loved it yeah and I, I, i've decided oh, go ahead. mike flanagan is my favorite director of all time <laughs> we're total wow. flan, we're wow. total flan fans i'm a flan head over here <laughs> We got we got a couple of members of the Flan Clan over here. 
I was trying to remember what did we what did we call the Mike Flanagan universe? Do you remember this? Um, it probably had something to do with Oculus. Only because he puts that Oculus mirror in all of his yes, movies. Yes, thank you. I was trying uh, to remember what that was from. Yeah, yeah. I, on, honestly, I do not remember seeing the Oculus mirror in this movie. It was uh, because I saw, so, I, I follow Mike Flanagan on Twitter, and he's been retweeting all the connections that people find, and someone found the mirror in there. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, the that, Flanopticon. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your hesitations about Mike Flanagan? Well, I mean, I guess overall, the uh, my feelings like about Mike Flanagan is he never fully like succeeds at uh, blending the drama with the horror, like from one mm. scene to the next. So, so overall, you get you know the appropriate amounts of oil and water, but they never you know come together and and it, like bring a successful blend mm. so for me this movie proved for me um that his strength lay more in the drama mm-hmm. because like with seeing uh, uh danny as the hospice worker like those scenes were super effective to me yep. and like i yes, was absolutely heavily like i, I was far more emotionally invested and affected by those sequences uh than any of the you know frightening moments in the film um and so i i feel like he set the stage appropriately like with the flashbacks the way that they handled wendy and the way they handled uh uh, dick and and you know used him as a film as Mm -hmm. opposed to an actual character like all of that stuff i thought rebecca ferguson was great as the villain, yep. um, all of that stuff, you know, when they show, when they drive back up, we drive up to the, the hotel. It's like, it gave me chills Same. to, yeah. to yeah, see that totally. up on the big screen. Like no matter, no matter what you think about Mike Flanagan or the film itself, like you can't, you know, deny the power of that building and what it's had on just like the horror genre for the past 40 years. Totally. Um, but there's far too many, uh, uh, sequences and moments in that finale that were too heavily like, hey, remember when this thing happened yeah. in that other movie? <laughs> this is what it looks like. And it was really just that that barrage of moments that like totally squandered what I, the original stuff that, that he was building with the, you know, two hours leading yeah. up to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm on board with your interpretation of that, but like <clears throat> realistically but you're wrong and mike flanagan is the greatest director of all time. <laughs> no no i'm oh I'm, he's flanagan <laughs> i am off of flanagan flanagan you're dead to me uh, uh but but like realistically you know kubrick's interpretation of the shining and and his aesthetic eclipsed the novel like more people have seen that movie than have read that novel right probably i think right. that's fair to say yeah oh, um, absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. And so like if if you're the filmmaker, at some point you have to say like if this is a sequel, you know, in some way to The Shining, which is what everyone's expecting it to be, like you can't just be like, "Hey, fuck that movie." Like the the movie is going to be an insurmountable elephant in the room if you don't say if you don't like go at it head on and like 
you know, honor it because that's what the people who are going to see the movie are going to be expecting, I think. Or, or I think or, the difference is you, you and I were like pleasantly surprised by how it incorporated The Shining. Yeah. And I think, Patrick, it sounds like you sort of felt like it was pandering a little bit. Yes. And, and, um, I, I totally like totally on board with all of like the hotel stuff. But when they showed, like, when they uh, filmed recreations of moments, that already happened in another movie with new actors felt completely unnecessary. That's so and funny. We to, love that. I thought it was well, such a powerful well, way to open the movie. I, yeah, I thought that that oh. was sort of like a, a good way to kind of like like bring it into the world of the current movie. Yeah. Oh, I and in the opening scenes and like with Dick, I thought they all were great. Like yeah. I thought Alex Esso as Wendy, I thought she was fantastic in channeling Wendy Torrance without, you know, impersonating. Mm-hmm. Totally, um, totally. Uh, Shelley Duvall. It was more so just at the end when we're seeing uh, recreations of shots was just like, we get it. Like we came to see this movie knowing it's a sequel to The Shining. We don't need to see like, you know, the all-star reprisals of those characters. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. We we saw that movie. We don't need to see glimpses of it again. So it was stuff like that that I was just like, what is this? Is this really happening? Are these, are we really going to see? And and also to not give us the guy in the bear suit giving a blowjob to the guy in the tuxedo. (laughs) Right? Yes. You're going to give us all of that and you're going to deny us, like, <laughs> the most, one of the most unsettling images in that entire movie. Finish um, me off, Lanigan. <laughs> what are you going to leave me hanging? <laughs> it, it was, I was, so it's like, there was actually somebody who walked out of our screening 45 minutes in, who clearly they were like, this isn't the shining part two <laughs> hotel. Like, so it was so clear that they, you know, uh, uh, were not too happy with what they were seeing. Yeah. And I, I guess it, it, it kind of felt like, um, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, uh, the last Jedi with that film, it was just Ryan Johnson managed to, to find that balance of like, okay, I know you came here for star Wars and I'm going to give you star Wars. But by the time we get to the end, mm-hmm. we'll kind of show you that Star Wars is actually different and bigger than just a set of, of plot points. But like Flanagan was doing a similar thing of like, we know you came here for The Shining, right. but The Shining isn't the hotel. The Shining is not Jack Torrance. The Shining is the Torrance family. Right. and Or the Overlook. Know, the, the way that, right. And, and so that's why even still I was like, okay we can't deny the power of the overlook and we do have to go there and they go there in the book. It's just, you know, things will look a little bit different. So, so yeah, it really was just like once I started getting this barrage of remember when that thing happened, we're yeah. doing it again, but a little bit different. I, it just did not work for me at all, but, but still like the overall experience was still positive enough because the, the two hours leading up to that were still so strong that, yeah. that I feel like ending on uh, what I would think is a sour note resulted in me walking out of the theater being, you know, uh, disappointed. Yeah. If you, if you could say one thing to Mike Flanagan, like if he listens to this podcast episode, what do you want him to, <laughs> to hear from you? <laughs> Is it, um, is it the bear thing? 
<laughs> it's the bear thing. It's, I'm looking for uh, an extended director's cut with the bear suit back in there. Yes. Um, it, I, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I guess what I would say is uh, uh, give the audience more credit and give them the benefit of the doubt and, and embrace those ambitious things that you might be scared are rejected by the audience and, you know, demand more from them mm. uh, is, is, I guess, what I would say. All right. We'll make sure Mike Flanagan hears that. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I'm sure as soon as I brought up the Oculus shared cinematic universe, I'm sure he was like, oh, this guy sounds really cool and smart. I'm going to keep listening to the dairy character. I want to hear more from him. But clearly, this guy is a giant fan by bringing up the Oculus Cinematic Universe. I'm not going to scrub through the episode to get to the parts where he's not talking. I think this will be the best part of the episode. Wolfman, thank you so uh, much. I love having you on the show. We got to do another full app soon. Yeah, if only there were more Stephen King projects I know, on the way. There's not enough. If only that poor guy. I heard it's the last of them. Yeah. Did you uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course, and, and Eric. Uh, nice to nice to chat with you. Yeah. Nice to meet you over the airwaves. Bye, Wolfman. We'll see you soon. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, the Wolfman. Some pretty hot takes there, huh? It was really great checking in again with the other half of the Flanopticon. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna say I. I agree with his interpretation of um, the kind of oil and water nature of the drama and horror. Honestly, um, I think that's why I, I left the theater being like, I think I like that better than The Shining. And I think part of why is because when I watch The Shining, I'm so scared the entire time. Yeah, that's fair. I definitely didn't leave the theater thinking I enjoyed that more than The Shining. Um, hey, that's why you're not in the Flana <clears throat> fan club. Flanopticon? Flana clan. Flana clan. I'm a founder. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. We got to move on because this, okay. this episode is getting very I long. just wanted to, I wanted to give props to the Wolfman. I thought that was a great interpretation. How great is the Wolfman, huh? He's amazing. Uh, great guy. Oh, I forgot to have him say his, I think his website is thewolfmancometh.com. Okay. I we can link him. it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll do it. And uh, I, uh, one little detail I wanted to add was I think that, um, Part of my perception of this movie and like the way I felt satisfied by how it, uh, you know, kind of interfaced with both the story of the book and the legacy of The Shining. The, the reason um, I was able to be satisfied by all that was because I honestly went into this movie expecting nothing. Yeah, same. Like, but I think it was a really good movie. Absolutely. I, right, I walked out of there like... That. We're going to do okay. the connections now. I'm just saying that like, I think the Wolfman is coming at it in a more scholarly perspective. Yeah. Um, and I told you, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And I'm just some idiot who goes to the movies at 9 a.m. on a Sunday and, you know, gets yeah. drunk and... Oh, we forgot to tell that part <laughs> of the story. We went and saw... Um, we saw it at 9 a.m. We saw the movie at 9 a.m. on Sunday, and we were like, this will be great. We'll have, because we go to Alamo Draft House. They have yeah. drinks there. Yeah. So we were like, we'll go have a drink there. We'll come home. We'll record the podcast episode. Yeah. Instead, we had like four drinks. Yeah. So by the time we got home at like 1230, we were very drunk and yeah. <laughs> tried, <laughs> tried to record the podcast and could not. Yeah. It didn't work out at all. No, but that's okay. This is going fine.
Yeah. All right. We got to talk about connections. Okay. I'm because here, this is I'm called... The Dairy Connection? Yeah. I'm here for it. Okay. All right. So before I get into it, there's a lot of Dark Tower connections. And Mike Flanagan said that Stephen King had to call in some favors at Sony because they own the rights to the Dark Tower. Ooh, interesting. To allow Mike Flanagan to put in the Dark Tower references because this is not a Sony movie. Wow. I'm surprised that like they're, they control that property so tightly that yeah. like what, but it's, I think if you buy the movie rights, but what are the references that you can't I'm gonna tell you? Okay. All right. Okay. So you haven't read the dark tower. No. Again, you should really read it. If you're going to keep being a guest on this podcast, I am going to, I pledge to all of your listeners that I am going to read that book. When it's not a series book, it's of seven books. books. I know. I know. God. And they're, most of them are very long. I know. I know. Um, I have a few years left on this earth, probably. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> All right. So there is a character in the Dark Tower called, I've always said it, Dandelo, but maybe it's Dandelo. Doesn't okay. matter. He is, uh, he's an emotional vampire who feeds on laughter. Okay. And in the movie, at the, remember the, um, the girl that's in the movie theater and she, you know, she like lures that guy there and then yeah, snake, yeah. Bite, snake bite Andy, yes. right? Yeah. And when she's leaving the movie theater, there's a poster there that's for Dandelo as a stand-up comedian. Oh. How good is that? That's great. And I really like that connection because he's a vampire who feeds on people's laughter instead of the um, the true not feed, feed on people's, I guess, fear and pain. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. he's like a sort of alternate version of them. Oh, interesting. Cool, right? Yeah, I like that. Okay, um, we talked about how the number 19 was on the baseball boy's jersey. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's also Abra's house number. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, wait. What? Wasn't somebody's house number 1980? In the movie? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's Abra's? Yeah, maybe it's 1980. Yeah, and I was like, oh, 1980, the year that The Shining came out. And that you were born. Also that I was born. But Connection. Know, I was like, oh, that's an easy reference, 1980. Ooh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. The movie, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The bus that uh, Danny rides in on and then Abra later rides in on to that little town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Tet Transit, I think. Okay. And Tet is um, another Dark Tower reference. It's the organization that's created to... Pro- Do you know about the rose in the Dark Tower? I know the rose is like a symbol of like purity and good. And yeah, but there's like, it doesn't, it, there's an important rose in the dark tower and yeah. there's this whole thing that gets built around protecting it. And the company that protects it is called the tech corporation. Okay. Um, I, I know a connection uh, and what? so you read yours and then I'll tell you no, if you yours? got it. No, you read yours and I'll tell you. I always let the guests go first. The things over her bed. Oh, you know about that one? I noticed that in the movie and I kept watching them to see if they were going to change. Do they change? No. Okay. But you know, it's the car thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I love that one. I also, um, so I heard about that before we saw the movie. So I was keeping a close eye on it. Oh, okay. I did notice. So, you know, remember the part where Rose the hat comes into her bedroom? Yeah. I think that those things are gone from above her bed in that scene. There is a scene where I thought they changed and it might be that scene. They're not gone because the A is definitely there. Hmm. And, and I, I was watching that. Like I felt like the, the row of things over her bed were centered so intensely in Mm -hmm. the scenes. So I was like, Oh, I feel like I should be watching those. And I know the scene you're talking about. She comes in and I was watching them and I was like, Oh, they changed. But then I think maybe they didn't. I think it was like maybe uh, lighting or something. Yeah, it was a lighting thing. Well, you're gonna watch the movie again, so you'll let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. The baseball boy 
who gets murdered is buried in the lot of, uh, it's like, I don't remember what it's called there. Lamerck something. Yeah. It's, it's like, like Lamerck construction something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the dark tower, there's a company called Lamerck industries. Okay. And I don't totally remember exactly what they did, but I looked it up and it says, um, I read the dark tower like five years ago, Right. but it says Lamerck industries is a company that works with metal to create robots and other things. Okay. Such as manhole covers. Right. So that was cool. Oh, and Dick says to Danny, I think, he literally says out loud, Ka is a wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Which was cool. Um, oh, and then I have a couple little tiny connections, which they're not real connections. They're more just like Stephen King themes, but I feel like Mike Flanagan probably knew what he was doing. So when Aber writes hello and also morning on uh, on Dan's chalkboard thing, yeah. there's a little smiley face in the O. Yeah. And the smiley face is definitely a theme in Stephen King books. Oh, okay. There's like five or six different books that have like a smiley face is the represent- representation usually of evil, but it's just like, it's like a, right. You know, it's in a lot of different I, I When I saw that um, in the movie, I didn't know that it was a running theme or anything, but I was like, is, is that something that I will be decoding later? Mm. You know what I mean? Cause it was like, hello. And it's like, does that mean hell smiley face? You know, yeah. like, like a, it did. It, so I think it's most uh, prominent in, you, you didn't read Mr. Mercedes? No. Um, the bad guy there uses a little yellow smiley face to like, he leaves it on his victims or something. Hmm. Um, but then there's also... Uh, you know, there's a serial killer who did that. Really? Yeah, the smiley face killer. Oh, maybe it's based on that. Huh, interesting. But then there's also um, Desperation and... Or ooh, the happy face killer or something like whatever, yeah. What's the sister one to um, Desperation? He released two novels at the same time. One is called Desperation. One's called something else. But in that one, there's a bunch of smiley face references. I don't know. Um, okay. And the other one is, you know, Stephen King is all about cornfields. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that. Because he loves, he loves Nebraska. It's like middle America, this whole thing. But right before the baseball boy gets kidnapped, he's walking by a cornfield. It's not a real connection, but. That's not. It's a theme. Okay. I'm just saying. So I like feel Children like, of the Corn? It's yeah, like a. For example. Yeah. Right. But it like. Okay. I'm just saying, I feel like Mike Flanagan maybe knows about these subtler themes and is sure. like working them into his movie. Sure. I think, yeah. All right. And then I've got a Mike Flanagan connection. Did you watch Gerald's Game? Yes. What We talked about it at the beginning of this movie. Uh, also, I wanted to say, uh, the the what's that one thing we just watched recently? The Boy in the Tall Grass or the something in the, in the tall, tall Grass? grass. <laughs> in the Tall Grass. Um, the whole time we were watching that, I mean, I got over it pretty quickly, but I was like, why isn't this just corn? I think it was corn, no? No, it was just tall grass. Oh, I thought it was corn. You don't call <laughs> corn tall grass. <laughs> I don't know where they're from or what they call corn. <laughs> um, okay, my Mike Flanagan connection. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just couldn't help but notice that uh, in this movie, remember when um, Rose the Hat stuck her hand in the drawer and her hand got flayed off? Yeah. Reminded me of Gerald's game. Does that happen in Gerald's game? Remember when she's escaping the bed and she has to, she flays her hand getting out of the handcuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah, pulling your hand out of a tight space. Okay, so I looked it up and there's a quote from Mike Flanagan Mm -hmm. that says he has a phobia of fingernail injuries and so in Oculus, there was a scene where somebody pulled off their thumbnail. Oh. And then in Hush, um, somebody got some hand injury. Uh, and then that happened again in Gerald's game. And he said, oh, and then in The Haunting of Hill House, uh, somebody stuck his hand in a fan. And so he said, at this point, it's just becoming a dare. Like, how can I really get a, how can I get a really gruesome hand injury in there? Because fuck hands. Okay. 
Um, that's uh, hands are a potent metaphor. Uh, For what? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I know that like in dream interpretation, if you uh, there's there's like a common dream theme where uh, people will have their hands destroyed or will destroy their own hands in dreams. Mm. You know how like your teeth falling out is like a very common uh, anxiety dream. Yeah. There's something I, it's not anxiety, but there's like a, a like a, the destruction of hands is a is a common theme in, in dreams. And mm. it means something. I wonder I wonder if he's aware of that or if that's like uh, speaking to the same type of uh, fear or something. Mm. Um. Okay, so in the book, Dr. Sleep, <laughs> yes. remember how I said Danny goes and visits Abra's great-grandmother? She's sick. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. in the book, Danny sucks the sickness out of her, you know, as steam, and that's how he kills the true knot, is he then, like, mm. puts, puts the disease steam on them. Okay, yeah. Um, remember in the Green Mile? I do remember the Green Mile. When the guy, he did that same thing where he took the sickness out of that the guy's sick wife. Yeah. And then he killed that uh, Percy, the mean guy. Yeah. With it, which I think goes back to my original theory that across all Stephen King books, like he calls them different things. But I think like, I think that John Coffey had The Shining. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh man, I wish that, uh, that would have been so cool if it was depicted in the same way. Because I would have loved to have had that connection in the theater. Because I loved The Green Mile so much. Like, I know in the Green Mile yeah. it was really creepy because it was like a swarm of flies basically like coming out of the person. And that's, you know, you can't, I don't know how you would be able to show like a group of people feasting on a swarm of flies the way, it, you know. Um, but I wish I would have made that connection because that I, I would have loved to think of it in that same yeah. sphere. Well, I think, yeah, I think he, he very literally like called it steam, you know, like the thing that they were taking from. Right. Did they, like did he, he call it that in the book? Uh, yeah, but, oh, the, okay. but the steam, so there's like the shine and then there's the steam. Yeah. But it's like the steam comes out of dying people. Yeah. Whereas I think John Coffey kind of like can inhale and exhale at will and do different things with right, it. It's sort right. of related to his shine. Yeah, totally. Okay. And then just as a bonus, so I'm just going to read off the list of connections in Dr. Sleep, All right. the book. Yes. Um, it mentions Jerusalem's lot, like Salem's lot. Oh. Uh, it mentions Castle Rock. It mentions, ooh, did you read Nosferatu? You did, right? The Joe yes, Hill book? Yes, yeah, I did. Um, it apparently, I don't remember this. It apparently mentions, do you remember Charlie Manx, the bad guy from Nosferatu? He's like the, the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Apparently he's mentioned in Dr. Sleep. Oh, wow. And a car in Dr. Sleep has a bumper sticker for Christmas Land. Oh, that's so cool. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and that's it. Wow, what? That must be really... Um, I know, uh, I just bought you uh, that Joe Hill oh, yeah. book, and I was at the the bookstore chatting with the 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 people selling the books, and I, it's a autographed um, or signed um, Joe Hill short story book. And I was just thinking, like you know, full throttle. Yeah, uh, you, you know, like every, as soon as you talk to anyone about Joe Hill, they're like, "Oh, you know, he's Stephen King's son." Do you know that's why he called himself Joe Hill? Yeah. Um, and and so like that that was like the the conversation I was having with the the two women working at the bookstore and they were like oh you know he's he he took that name to avoid the association with you know such a famous author and I was well but then he constantly collaborates with his dad so yeah and I was like yeah he collaborates with him all the time and also he is like a like 
a visual clone of his father. So uh, it's probably pretty tough to break that association. But what I was thinking is like, it's got to be so rewarding to um, for both of them. You know, like his son, Joe Hill, is like a great writer. Like he's written really great stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Stephen King's whole world is writing and, you know, creating these things. And like, you know, like that must be so gratifying to like be able to welcome, welcome your own kid into that world and have like the crossover, even if it's just a little reference here and there. Like that must that must be so magical. Yeah. It's really cool. I love that. Yeah. Anyway. And you haven't even read uh, Lock and Key, I think, is Joe Hill's best work. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't it's read that. so good. I, I like Joe Hill. I think he's great. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about Dr. Sleep? Um, not really. I, I just think it's great. I, I In terms of, like, my, my you know, 10-second movie review, m- the way I think of movies is, like, if I go and I sit there, I think of how many times I look at my watch during the whole movie – and this movie was two and a half hours long and I didn't look at my watch once and I go see movies that are, you know, less than an hour and a half and I look at my watch a hundred times and maybe you have some kind of attention problem. No, it's just like, am I bored? Like, am I, am I into this or am I not? Yeah. Um, and I went to see this movie expecting, honestly expecting kind of not much at all. And I just loved it. I, I thought it was great. You know, you can pick apart all the, the specifics and how it references the movie, uh, The Shining, and how it references the book. But, you know, for what it is, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I loved it. Um, again, Mike, if you're listening, I am a big fan. I would love to have you on the show. Yep. Also, Grady Hendrix, if you're listening, I would love to have you on the show. Um, Eric, my husband, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me and you're tolerating a me. delightful guest, as oh. always. Do you want to say that thing one more time? I'm an idiot. And you will find the dairy connection And we can party like it's 6 I'm an idiot (laughs) Um, We gotta use that drop in my podcast (laughs) I'm an idiot Wait, AJ, AJ, get that clean so we can use it as a drop (laughs) I'm an idiot <laughs> okay. All right, y'all done? Yeah. Any other drops? I'm an idiot. Yeah, we got a lot of those now. We're all set. <laughs> AJ, if you could keep each of those for different circumstances, that would be. I just like uh, you know, making a lot of noise here on the recording so that AJ has more work to do. I'm I'm, I'm an idiot. That is not nice. All right, can we get back to the podcast? The man's a talented editor. The show <laughs> is back now. Um Eric, no, I'm leading the podcast. I'm an idiot. Send the I'm an idiot. Can you say it in a, a different voice? I'm an idiot. <laughs> okay. I'm an idiot. <laughs> okay, enough. Okay. I'm an idiot. All right. And go. You don't say go. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs>